And it reads, By this we shall know that we are the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, and our heart does not condemn us. We have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we will receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Amen. You may have your seat as Pastor Todd comes. It is good to be with you here on Resurrection Sunday. Amen. If you joined us on Friday, I said we must come uh, Friday night to lament, but this morning we must come to celebrate. And so I hope that we come to celebrate our resurrected King. Without Him, we have no hope, we have no life, and we have no uh, promise. And so I don't know who just tried to jump on the internet, but uh, you got caught because it, it said I needed to share with you. So if you, you need the internet, try it again. I'll, I'll let you on the internet. Maybe you're trying to get on the uh, Wi-Fi for, for your uh, Bibles. So it just caught me off guard. These are things you don't put in your notes, Brother Joshua. It's like, this is you just stick to the notes, you'll be all right. Well, we are here this morning to celebrate an empty tomb. Amen. This morning, as I've been preparing the last several weeks, you know, most Easter Sundays I'll come and I'll take a, a, a vacation, if you will, from the series that we're in. We're in the middle of First John, and uh, after praying and thinking through, this is a beautiful, perfect message for Easter Sunday morning. And so we're going to stay in First John. If you haven't been with us, I'll kind of catch you up to speed. John is a a man that walked with Jesus. He was known as Jesus' beloved disciple. He's the closest one to Jesus. He was the one that when Jesus on Friday was hanging on the cross said to John, hey, take care of my mom. It was that kind of relationship. So John had walked with Jesus for three and a half years and had seen and heard Jesus do a lot of things. So John, at the end of his life, he writes a letter to the believer and kind of encapsulates all that he had learned from Jesus. And he says in this small letter, there's two things I really learned from Jesus. Love God and love other people. Like That's what the essence of the Christian life. And so this morning, I want to talk about that, but I want to talk about that through the lens of assurance. You know, there's two things the human heart wants to know more than any other thing in all of life. Do I matter and do I belong? Do I matter and do I belong? And and we come into the world that way. A baby comes into the world asking that question, do I really matter and do I really belong? And the rest of their lives are shaped how those two questions are answered. I wonder this morning how many of you come in with 
those two questions unanswered? Do I matter and do I belong? Do I matter to God and do I belong to God? Because without those two being true about you with God, then you'll have no assurance about what Easter even means. And so Easter, Sunday morning, gives us and our hearts the answers. Yes, you do matter, and yes, you do belong. And we're going to look at that in a few ways, but we're going to look at that through the lens of you have to ask yourself this question, do you have assurance of your salvation this morning? If God were to come back in this service this morning and he would say, hey, let me know the reason that you can stand before me. Do you have the assurance before a holy God with that? Because you have to have that to stand before a holy God. And it can only come through one person. It's not in and of yourself. But here's the great tragedy of our lives for all of us. We grow up with that hope that we matter and we belong. And some of us grew up in homes that said you don't matter and you don't belong. Whether it's through abuse or through verbal abuse or straight neglect. And you get confused. And then we have an enemy that capitalizes on that, do we not? And the enemy says you don't matter and you don't belong. And then he hurls all these condemnations at you. Hey, remember that thought you just had yesterday. Remember that look you just had yesterday. Remember what you thought in your heart. And then all these places of condemnation come to you. And it will take out the bedrock of your assurance, does it not? And in praying this last couple weeks for this message, I feel as if the Holy Spirit has pressed upon me to say this, if that is you this morning. If you're coming in here and the enemy is hurling those accusations against you, my hope is that you will leave here with the assurance of your salvation. Because John is going to speak to us about that. He's going to speak to us about our assurance. He's going to speak to us about those condemning thoughts that come from the enemy directed towards us. So if you don't hear me say anything else this morning, I want you to leave here knowing that the empty tomb says one thing. You matter and you belong and there's a holy God that loves you eternally. No matter what you've done. No matter what thought you've had, no matter what action you've done, no matter what sin that you have done in your life, an empty tomb says it's been paid for. And so if you don't hear anything else this morning, hear that you are loved by God, you're cared for by God, and you matter and you belong to God. If you do one thing and one thing only, if you put your hope and faith and trust in Him, if you do not have your hope and faith and trust in Him, I'm not saying you do not matter. I'm saying that God will not know who you are. And then all those accusations are true. But God has sent His Son to love us in such a way 
that will break every lie and every condemnation. So I want to look at that this morning. I want to look in two ways. What is our assurance based on? And what does our assurance bring us? So for you this morning, my hope is that you'll leave here with that place of assurance. So let's look this morning at what John says in his little letter about our assurance. The first is this, your assurance is not based on any work that you've done. If you're thinking this morning, I, I just got to do better, I just got to not sin, I just got to, I just got to, I just got to, you will wear yourself ragged. And so there's, your assurance is not based on your merit or your work. Whose is it based on? It's based on God's merit and God's work. It's based on two places. The work of Christ on the cross and the knowledge of God. So the work of Christ on the cross. Let's see what John says in his text. By this we know that we are of the truth and are assured of our hearts before Him. You want to know your assurance. It's by this that we shall know. What is the by this that we shall know? You've got to go up just a few verses to verse 16 where it says, by this we know love. So we mark our way up, we walk our way back to the text. So John is saying, hey, how do you know that you know that you know? He says, you know that you know you know by the work of the cross. How do we see that in the text? It says this, by this we know that he, this is Jesus, laid down his life for us. The laying down his life for us is the work of the cross. Now you've got to remember who wrote this letter. John. John was standing at the foot of the cross. He saw it happen. He was an eyewitness account to see his best friend lay his life down for us, the sinner. So it's by the work of the cross. And then he will say this, and we know this, we can uh, apply it in the text. But what? Not only is it because of the cross, but it's because of the resurrection. Remember who it was that ran to the tomb first that morning. Peter and John. It says that John outran Peter. My man was so eager to get to Jesus that he outran Peter and saw an empty tomb. And so now he says, you can know you have assurance by the cross and by an empty tomb you see there is no assurance of your salvation without the cross and without an empty tomb right before i came up here this morning one of my friends was just in israel and he sent me a picture of him walking into the empty tomb i wanted to text back what do you think you were going to see like you wasted a lot of money bro going to israel I could have told you it was empty. But it's because of the cross and the empty tomb this morning you have assurance. And the rest of the text will not matter unless you put your hope and faith in that because that is what John says. By this we know, we have assurance that we are of the truth. So first you have to ask yourself, are you of the truth? Do you believe in the truth? 
of who Jesus Christ is and what He did and what He accomplished on your behalf, the cross says to us one thing. The cross says there had to be a sacrifice paid on your behalf because of the sins that you committed. If you've been with us in this series, this is what sin is. Sin is the very thing that separates us from God. Any thought, any action, any deed, anything in your heart that is contrary to God's word and God's will is a sin. I don't care. I've said it a thousand times. I'll probably say it a thousand more times. I don't care if you stole a cookie from a cookie jar or murdered someone. In God's eyes, it's all the same. All of it separates us from God. Now, their consequences are, are much different. You might get a slap on the wrist for stealing a cookie, and you might go to jail forever for murdering. I, I get the consequences. But what I am saying to you, the consequences before a holy God are the same. It's called separation from God. And is that not the place that Satan wants to attack us the most? Is it when we sin against God, he wants to remind us that we're not forgiven by God, which is saying to us, there is no cross and there is no empty tomb. And John is going to go back, but we know that we know that we know because he laid down his life for us. Therefore, we have assurance in our hearts before him. Catch that last few words. We have assurance, not for ourselves, but before him. The assurance is that I will have to stand before a holy God and give an account for everything I've done. All of us, believer and unbeliever, are going to have to give that account. But there's one thing at the end of that account, the end of that ledger, if you will. And what it has to say at the end of the ledger, if you have confidence in your assurance, it must say, paid in full. There's got to be a stamp in blood on that receipt that says it's been paid for. And here's the deal. If you're here this morning, you are a believer. Every sin you've ever committed, every sin you ever will commit has been paid for. I'm going to get to the condemnation part in a moment, but you must, and I must hold on to that truth this morning. So do you believe, and do I believe in the work of the cross and the work, the power of the resurrection? Let's keep going. Not only is it of the work of the cross, but it's of the knowledge of God. My assurance is not based on me. It's based on the knowledge of God. It's not based on my knowledge. Here's how we know that. It says, for whenever our hearts condemn us, we could say it this way, when your hearts condemn you. Some of you will leave here. Some of you are sitting in this pew this morning and Satan is condemning your hearts. And I want you to have the assurance this morning that here's the deal. There is a knowledge of God about those condemnations, but there's a knowledge about God about what is condemning you. I'm not saying who is condemning you, but I'm saying what is condemning you. And it says this, when our hearts condemn us, catch this, God is greater than our hearts. Catch that in the passage. Whatever lie is being spoken to you in this moment, God is greater than your hearts. 
And he goes on to say, God is greater than your, th- your hearts or your thoughts or your actions. For what? He knows everything. So God has the knowledge of everything you've ever done and everything you'll ever do. He knows it all. Whatever sin you're going to commit tomorrow, because you will, I'm just going to let you know, and so am I. We're gonna, we might leave here sinning as soon as we get out the building. Someone might cut us off. You know how the traffic is here in Nashville. It's not very good. For sure tomorrow going to Nashville, you will sin, I will sin. I'm just going to go ahead and repent now. But here's the deal. God already knows that. God already knows that lustful thought I'm going to have. God already knows that evil desire I'm already going to have. He knows everything. And in knowing everything, he still decided to send his son for you and me. Like, God is not stuck in in time. God sees all things past, current, and future. He knows all things. He sees all things. He believes all things. And so he knew when he sent his son, he knew what you would do before you would even do it. And he still said, hey, son, you still got to go pay the sin and the penalty for that sin. So we can have assurance from God that God already knew what we would do. God is not caught by surprise the sin that you commit. And he knew that he had to pay his son's life for that sin and he chose to do it anyway. But do we believe that? And then we move into the knowledge of God. Even though We've sinned against the holy God. Even though we've acted in treason against God. And we know this to be true in our minds. Therefore, when we sin against God, Satan capitalizes on that sin and he brings condemnation. Like, Satan doesn't come and be like, hey, you're already forgiven. That's not what he says. He does the the exact opposite. He brings condemnation Here's what we know to be true. This is what Jesus himself said. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John 3, 16. Now you know the passage well. But if I asked you what verse 17 and 18 said, I don't think you would know very well. I'm not shaming you. I'm just saying. We hinge on that verse, John 3, 16. But I believe the power is not in John 3, 16, but it's in John 3, 17, in 18. Let's read John 3.16. But then let's read the rest. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Why did He give His only begotten Son? For our sins. Whoever would believe in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. And now here's the beauty of verse 16. I think it hinges on verse 17. For God did not send His Son into the world to what? Condemn the world. But in order that the world might be saved through Him. Verse 18, whoever believes in Him is not condemned. 
You see, I know we give a lot of attention to verse 16. But man, I wish we'd give more attention to verse 17 and 18. God did not send his son into the world to condemn you. So if there's any condemnation that's in you, it's not from God. Now, I'm not saying there's not conviction. I'm simply saying there is no condemnation. Conviction is that thing that happens in you that will make you turn and go back to God. Condemnation is that thing that makes you want to crawl up under the bed and never be seen by God. There's a difference. God did not send his son into the world to condemn you, but to set you free. I think Paul said it in another way, not in a better way, but in another way in Romans 8. Romans 8, if you read the passage of Romans 8, it is full of rich theology. It is full of the study of God. It's full of our understanding of God. But I want you to catch where Paul starts. Of all the places Paul could have started with, the knowledge of God and the theory of God and our thoughts of God. Look where Paul starts. If you know Romans 8, it is the linchpin of Christianity. And look where he starts. Romans 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for what? Those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you're here this morning and you feel condemned, and you are hearing those insults from the enemy, I promise you it's not from God. It is from the enemy. So may we live, and may we be set free from the condemnation because of the works of God through the work of Christ. Do you have that assurance this morning? Because when you have that assurance, it's going to move you into a blessing. And I'm not saying here this morning, like I'm one of those preachers like, ah, you come to Jesus and you'll have a blessed life and you'll get a new Mercedes. I'm not saying all that. But I knew know this, if you have assurance in Christ, you will have a blessed life. Now you will be persecuted. You will suffer a lot. But you will have a blessed life. And that is what John says in the rest of the text. The next two points are this. You will have blessings of your assurance in two ways. Let's see those first two ways. We'll go to verse 21 of 1 John. He says, after God is greater than our hearts and He knows everything, He says this, Beloved are children, the ones I love. If your heart does not condemn us, it won't be able to condemn us because we understand the reality of what Christ did for us. When we understand what Christ did for us, there is now no condemnation in us, therefore we can go before a holy God. Not in fear, like I'm going to get struck down, but in a fear of all before who I go before. There's a story about this. It happened when the Roman Empire began to, to rule the, 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 the world. and They were gaining power and they were gaining control. And this great emperor began to do a parade through the city of Rome. And all the Roman citizens came out to celebrate this Roman Empire. 
and to Herodom is great, and Herodom is powerful, and Herodom is just majesty. You, you wouldn't get near a, a, a Roman king like that. You'd be killed instantly. And so here, they're marching through the streets of Rome, and they come up to the platform where the, the, the royal family were to watch the parade. And all of a sudden, there's commotion as this person jumps from the platform and begins to weave his way to get to the emperor. This little boy moves his way through the crowd and gets closer and closer and closer to the centurion stand in front of the Roman Empire and says, do you know who this is? This is the Roman Empire. You can't get near him. And the little boy says, that may be your empire, but it's my daddy. And that centurion stepped to the side and let that little boy climb up in the chariot and go on the west of the way. That's the kind of confidence that we can have with a holy God. Hey, I know it's a holy God, but that's my dad. That's a whole different ballgame when you get to say those words because it gives us a confidence that we can go before God. We have no condemnation. If you have condemnation, you're not going to have that boldness to go before a holy God. That is what John is talking about here. And then he says this, because we don't have that place of condemnations in our heart, two things can happen. He says you can go with confidence before God. And then he says this. He says we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. The first thing is this. The blessings of an assured life is answered prayer. Now I'm not saying every prayer that you get, that you have before a holy God is going to be answered your way. But I am saying this. You can have assurance of answered prayer because there is a God that loves you. And there's a God that cares about you. He, he says this in Matthew. Remember, I've said this a couple weeks ago. He, he says this. He said, hey, you wicked dads. How, how good of gifts do you give your... How much more would the Father, the good Father, give to you? Now, there's some things that have to go with that answered prayer. Two things we see in the Scriptures. The first is this. It's... From Psalm 37, verse 4. We know the passage well. He will give us the desires of our hearts. But you know what it says right before that? It says we must delight ourselves in the Lord. And he will give us the desires of our heart. So my first question to you and to myself is, are your prayers not being answered because you're not delighting yourself in the Lord? Do you delight yourself in the Lord? This morning, another way that we can have assurance through answered prayer is not only that do we delight ourselves in the Lord, but Jesus said it to his disciples in John 15. John 15 is right in the middle of the Last Supper. So he's kind of giving the, these young just some things to consider as he is about to die and depart from them. And he says this, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. 
We, we want the last half of that verse. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But I don't know if we want to do the works of the first half of the verse. The first half of the verse says we must abide in Him. So are we delighting ourselves in the Lord? And are we abiding in Him? Because when those two things are coupled together, you will have answered prayer. Because what happens in that when you delight yourself in the Lord and you abide in the Lord, then all the desires of your heart come from Him, not from yourself. And your prayer life becomes His prayer life, not your prayer life. And then He answers those prayers. Not always the way we want them. Not always in the manner we want them. Not always in the time we want them. But we can be assured that God answers every single prayer. That's the first blessing of our assurance is answered prayer. The, the, the last one is the one that gives me most hope, and I pray it will give you most hope. It's found in verse 24. It says this, Whoever keeps my commandments and abides in God, and God in him, and by this we know that he abides in us, by the Spirit whom he is giving us. The next one is this, our blessed assurance gives us a relationship with not only God, not only the Son of God, oh, but maybe the one that gets most forgotten, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that leads us. The Holy Spirit is the one that guides us. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings us comfort. And when we have our assurance in our salvation, we will have the assurance of our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Remember what Jesus said. Again, this is in the upper room. The moments before He would be betrayed and drugged and brutally beaten and hung on a cross. He says this to His disciples in verse 7 of chapter 16. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Now catch that for a moment. Here's these 11 men, because at that point Judas, he might be there, but he ain't there, if you know what I mean. They had seen Jesus do all these miracles. They had seen Jesus do all this amazing teaching. They, they had seen Jesus provide for them in ways that they ought never to have been provided for. And Jesus, at the end of his life with his closest friends, he says, hey, it's better for you that I leave here. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm throwing a flag on that play. Like, no, no, hey, Jesus, I don't think that's possible. You were the son of God. And Jesus is like, I know, but it's to your advantage that I'm taken from here. Because he says, if I don't go, catch this in the passage, if I'm not taken from you, if I don't leave you, the helper will not come to you. So I've got to leave you so the helper can come. So Christ, today, in this moment, because 40 days from now, he'll go to the Father in ascension and in that moment of ascension the Holy Spirit comes upon his disciples and that same Holy Spirit that came on his disciples that same Holy Spirit that used Peter to preach at Pentecost that same Holy Spirit resides in you 
So that Holy Spirit, I got one little like itty bitty amen. That same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that same power that did that now resides in you. You have a relationship with that power. And it's not a relationship outside of you, it's a relationship inside of you is what the text says. The Holy Spirit resides in you. We have a blessed assurance of the Holy Spirit in us. My great fear is we don't live that way. We don't live that way because we live under the condemnation of all the sins that we've done. And when we live under that condemnation, we don't believe that there's a spirit in us greater than the spirit that's speaking against us. You, you see, Satan does not reside in you. Satan resides outside of you. There's a spirit that resides in you that counteracts the spirit outside of you. But how often do we feel like it's the other way around? And Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I leave here so that a helper can come. And I will send him to you. That is a promise. It's only a promise because of the resurrection. It's only a promise because of the ascension. So my plea to us this morning goes back to what John said in verse 19. By this we know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before Him. Do you have that assurance this morning? Are there still those small voices that are screaming at the rooftops to condemn you? If that is true, then I want you to behold the wonder of the empty tomb this morning. That empty tomb gives us victory over all of our condemnation. You are set free because of the resurrected King and the spirit that now resides in you. Do you and I believe that this morning? May we celebrate a resurrected king that gives us all of our assurance of our salvation this morning. Amen. Let me pray for us.